Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture reading is Psalm 73, verses 1 through 28. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men nor are they plagued like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, the garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness, the imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression, they speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to this place and waters of abundance are drunk by them. And they say, How does God know? And is their knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said thus, Behold, I should have betrayed the generation of thy people. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight, until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Surely thou dost set them in slippery places. Thou dost cast them down to destruction. How they are utterly destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakens, O Lord, when aroused, thou wilt despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast taken hold of my right hand, and with thy counsel thou wilt guide me and afterward receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far away from thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all thy works." Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
With all the trouble and turmoil going on in our world, one question keeps coming up. Why do wicked men who are seeking to disrupt and disturb our society prosper while the godly seem to suffer? The answer to this perplexing question is found in Psalm 73. Psalm 73 corresponds both numerically and in content with the 37th Psalm. Both deal with the nagging question, why do wicked prosper while the righteous experience trouble and sorrow? Notice that as he wrestles with this problem, the godly man begins with God himself. At the very outset of this psalm, the godly man declares his confidence in God. This is the starting place. We have to be sure of what we know to be true about God when we try to answer life's mysterious questions. And what do we know about God? That God is good. He can never act contrary to his righteous character. He can only do good to those who belong to him. This is the starting point in our thinking. We have to drive this stake deep. God is good. He is good in his being. He is good in his acts. He is good in his intentions toward mankind. Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian, says, God, in seeking his glory, seeks the good of his creatures, which is union and communion with himself. This is our constant challenge, friends, to bring the tough questions of life into harmony with the goodness of God and to look at things from His perspective. Only then do we obtain a clear focus and a stable footing. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We aren't even at the first baby step of wisdom and understanding until we fear the Lord, until we seek Him, until our hearts are right with Him, until we follow His commandments. Why is our world filled with so much insanity, such foolishness, such vanity and arrogance? Because we have forgotten God. We have not given him first place in our thinking or in our hearts. We have forsaken God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was born in 1918 and died in 2008. He was one of the most powerful Christians in the 20th century. He gave a monumental Harvard commencement address in 1978 in which he brilliantly diagnosed the perilous condition of the West's march towards decline. He described the calamity of a despiritualized and irreligious humanistic consciousness. Then in a follow-up speech when he received the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion in 1983, he said, our life consists not in the pursuit of material success, but in the quest for worthy spiritual growth. Our entire earthly existence is but a transitional stage in the movement toward something higher. And we must not stumble and fall, nor must we linger fruitlessly on one rung of the ladder. Material laws alone do not explain our life, 
or give it direction. The laws of physics and physiology will never reveal the indisputable manner in which the Creator constantly, day in and day out, participates in the life of each of us, unfailingly granting us the energy of existence. When this assistance leaves us, we die. Solzhenitsyn was a devout follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that if you don't begin with God, you end up with selfish, evil, wicked men. One political commentator describes the cyclical dilemma of the fallen world around us. He said, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And the vicious cycle continues. The way out of this cycle is for God to create not strong men, but godly men who will pursue not good times, but virtue and holiness that leads to eternal life. Then in verse 1b, we find a clear focus and answers to life's difficult questions. This comes only to those who are honestly striving after purity of heart and life. Think about this, friends. The reason so many people are so confused and don't understand the Bible and can't find their way around in life is because they are impure. Now listen. Impurity blocks spiritual awareness and understanding. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. This is a serious matter. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity brings awareness of God. Purity brings the right use of things. Purity brings the right relation to people. Now look at verse 2. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. What's happening here? The foundational truth of God's goodness had grown uncertain in this godly man's mind. His faith in God's promises and providence were almost overthrown by the temptation of the prosperous wicked. He took his mind off the truth about God and turned to look at the wicked around him. He committed the sin of envy, one of the seven deadly sins. Where does envy come from? It comes from looking in the wrong direction. When we take our eyes off the Lord and his promises and start looking around, we can fall into envy. We get on the verge of a severe fall that may take years to recover. Verse 4 to 14 are an astonishing description of the prosperous wicked. Here the godly man fully describes the details of his temptation. He says that the wicked enjoy a quiet and painless life. Their bodies are well fed and cared for. Their wealth protects them from trouble and adversity. They are ruthless and violent. Their every wish is gratified. They oppress the poor and are filled with pride. They speak down to other men in condescension. Verse 7 even talks about the eyes bulging with fatness. Sometimes obesity causes the eyes to literally bulge out of the face. Often the luxurious lifestyles of the prosperous wicked lead to obesity. 
verse 11 describes the fist of the defiant atheist. How does God know? There is no God. Sounds like the new atheists of the 21st century and their best-selling books openly mocking the Lord. Verse 12 sums up the whole picture. Behold, thus are the wicked. Look and see the lives of the rich and famous in their rebellion against God. They deserve perdition, yet live in luxury, amassing a fortune, ever at ease. The world applauds and bows to them. They have everything their hearts desire and indulge their every whim. It's easy to see why the righteous envy such unending prosperity, power, and control. The godly man compares his life to the life of the wicked. In verse 14 and 15, he says, I've kept myself pure for God. I've kept my inner and outward life cleansed of sin, and look where it's gotten me. All day long I'm plagued with troubles from morning until night. We do tend to think like this, don't we? I've been a good Christian for 40, 50, 60 years. I've been faithful to attend church. I give my tithes. I serve the Lord and look, trouble from morning until night. My kids have rebelled against God. My body is breaking down. My funds are low. My debts are high. I work myself to the bone and still more trouble, more affliction. What is going on, Lord? You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. God sometimes seems to let sufferings multiply for the godly, while the wicked get away with murder. Evil men increase their luxury and wealth, while the righteous and holy man suffers under a heavy burden. Verse 15 is so important, for it begins the road to recovery. This first section of the psalm is a description of illness, of temptation to doubt God and give up on faith. But the second section is the radiance of a triumphant faith, faith over circumstances, faith over envy, faith over temptation, faith over doubt. He says in verse 15, If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Notice what is happening here. This godly man had pondered all these thoughts in his mind before God, but he had not spoken them publicly yet. He had not published them. It's one thing to have your doubts and fears before God and wrestle with them, but to speak them publicly or to publish them in a book can do great damage to others. 
thoughts, words, and statements that harm God's children should never be spoken. We should be on our guard against saying things that scandalize or hurt our fellow believers. This is the great trouble with Christian publishing and best-selling books. Statements are published that should never have been uttered, and damage is done to believers in the church. How does faith become triumphant? How does it begin to blaze forth when the wicked continue to prosper? It starts by turning from self-pity and self-interest to alignment with God and his interests. We have to regain the vertical dimension. Look at verse 16 and 17. All this was troublesome in my sight. It was greatly aggravating. It churned up anger within me until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. We need a shift in point of view. And the disorder of the horizontal around us suddenly becomes resolved into harmony with God. Momentary envy of the ease and wealth of the wicked man fades away in the light of God's eternity and sovereignty and the greatness and holiness of his being. This is why we desperately need worship. Time with God, time in the sanctuary, time to be reoriented to the vertical, to have our perspective renewed, to have our vision restored, to receive Holy Communion and abide with Christ. When this happens, we consider the end of the wicked and are astonished. Verse 18 says, Surely you set them in slippery places and cast them down to destruction. How they are utterly destroyed in a moment. They are swept away by sudden terrors. The wicked are on a very insecure footing. They may live in ease and prosperity now for 60, 70, 80 years, but then they are done for. They are cast down in destruction. They are lost and doomed. There are so many biblical examples of this truth, friends. The mighty Pharaoh and his army were destroyed by God in the middle of the Red Sea. The earth miraculously opened up and swallowed alive Korah, Dathan, and Abiram when they rebelled against Moses. Absalom died hanging in a tree by his hair with spears in his heart. King Sennacherib's two sons stabbed him to death while he was praying to his pagan god in the temple. Verse 20 shows just how inconsequential are these wicked in the greater scheme of things. Their puffed-up importance is nothing more than an empty shadow. In the end, God will despise them. C.S. Lewis says they will be finally estranged and unspeakably ignored by God. What an unimaginable terror! To be cut off from God? To be separated from Him forever? What a horror! In verse 21 and 22, the writer comes to his senses. He makes a full repentance of his faulty thinking. He confesses, I didn't see the truth. My mind was deranged. I get to wear the dunce cap. I'm so stupid. I'm worse off than a brute beast. Beasts of burden think only about the present life. They don't have the faculty of reason to consider things rightly. They don't have the benefit of revelation to understand the truth about God. This godly man temporarily forgot. 
he lost the benefit of both reason and revelation. He forgot the last four things, didn't he? Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. He was evaluating life only by his eyes and not by his faith. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. This psalm just gets better and better, friends. Nevertheless is the language of a triumphant faith. Nevertheless is the language of a repentant sinner trusting in the Lord. Job chapter 40 verse 3 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I say to you? I put my hand upon my mouth. He says, Lord, I can't believe I was so stupid. I was lost and undone, but I am still with thee. Remember I said that Psalm 37 is the mirror reflection of Psalm 73 both numerically and in content. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Thank the Lord that his strong hand holds you up. Thank the Lord that his grace sustains you every moment. Left to ourselves, we will fall. Left to our own devices, we will succumb to temptation. But God, verse 24, guides us by his counsel and afterward receives us into glory. God has it all covered, friends. He brought us into the world. He sustains us. He holds us. He counsels us with his word and promises. And afterward, he will receive us into glory. God holds. God counsels. God receives. We can put up with present trials if we keep our eyes on the eternal prize. The here and now has no comparison to the there and then. Now notice how this psalm closes. Look at the triumphant words of verse 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The godly man turns his attention away from the wealth, power, health, and fame that he had envied about the prosperous wicked and fixes his mind on real treasure. Luther translated this verse, If I may but hold fast to thee, heaven and earth become a matter of but slight concern to me. This is similar to what John says in 1 John chapter 2. The world is passing away in its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. In verse 27, the envy of the wicked turns to the pity of the wicked. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. This word perish is actually those who go a-whoring away from God. To depart from the living God is spiritual adultery. This is serious. It's a defiant denial of God. This defiance is expressed in William Ernest Henley's famous poem, Invictus. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Henley 
deliberately takes Jesus' words in Matthew 7, straight is the gate and wide the way that leads to hell, and defies them. Wicked men like Henley are only to be pitied, for their very defiance of God sends them to eternal perdition. Verse 28, the greater our nearness to God, the less we are affected by the distractions and temptations of this world. Is God himself truly our only and highest good, or are there competing goods which we still crave? If we put all the goods and riches and honors and pleasures of the world without God on one side, and put a man with nothing but God on the other side, which would we choose? Do we live as though a man who has everything without God is the poorest and most to be pitied of all men, and the man who has God plus nothing is rich beyond our highest dreams and desires? Do we clutch at external possessions and honors which will not last, or do we crave the sweetness and joy and beauty and blessedness and preciousness of Jesus Christ himself. If we envy and fret over the prosperous wicked, then we are not giving ourselves over to the supreme joy of God. Friends, wicked evil men will continue to prosper. In fact, the Bible says that they will increase in the last days. But be encouraged with the vision of this psalm. When you get distracted by the nonsense going on all around us, when you are tempted to look in the wrong direction, when you temporarily become a brute beast losing both reason and revelation, when you forget that it's all fake news and that everything out there belongs to Satan's kingdom, fix your mind on what is true. Lift up your hearts to the Lord and His glory. See God high and lifted up. Feast upon the wonder and joy of Jesus and his eternal kingdom. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. 
They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>